Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And we're gathered around the Encouragement Cafe table again with Sharon Janes, our friend, author, speaker, who wrote a book that really is important to all of us because, honestly, there are times when we all get stuck, when we all have issues <laughs> with trying to uh, let go of things. And, and Sharon, thank you so much for joining us again today. Tell us a little bit about your book, Take Hold of the Faith You Long For. Luann, that um, one reason this book is so important to me is because for so long in my Christian faith, I was just stuck. I mean, I was raised in a very difficult home situation. There was a lot of violence, a lot of alcohol, and you know, both of my parents were very successful people out in the world, but in the home, we were a wreck. So I grew up just with feelings like nobody cared about me, nobody really wanted me, and then I came to know Christ when I was a teenager. But you know what? All those feelings of insecurity and inadequacy and inferiority, all of that just rolled right over into to my Christian life. And so by now, honestly, I felt a little bit worse about myself at times because I felt like I wasn't a good enough Christian. I just added a whole new I'm not good enough onto that. So really, honestly, into my 30s, I knew I was going to heaven. I, I was going to Bible studies, and I hate to say this, but I was even teaching some Bible studies, but yet I felt so stuck spiritually, and I I walked around feeling like one day I was going to be found out, that people were going to find out what I was really like, and then it was going to all fall apart, and this just dark cloud just followed me around, and I was truly stuck. And there's this woman in my church, she was an older woman, and Luann, I feel funny saying that because she's the age I am right now, <laughs> but this older woman in my church um, just took me under her wing, and, and she was a Bible study leader, and she began to recognize that I had all these insecurities, and she started teaching me about who I really was as a child of God. And you know what? I knew so many of those verses that, you know, that I'm holy and dearly loved, I'm chosen, I've been redeemed. I knew those verses in my head, but honestly, I didn't really believe they were true for me. And that's what made me get stuck. Now, if you think about this picture, Luann and Rachel, if you've you've been to a circus before and you've watched a trapeze artist, how he swings out from this platform, he swings back, and usually on that third swing, he takes hold of another bar, another trapeze bar or another trapeze artist. And when he takes hold of it, that's when all the tricks and wows the crowd. But what would happen if when that trapeze artist took hold of that second bar, he refused to let go of the first one? Then that would not be the greatest show on earth, and that trapeze artist would be stuck. He would just be hanging there. And I think that's where many of us get in our in our spiritual lives is that we really we're hungry and we want to take hold, like that verse says in Scripture, to take hold of all that Jesus Christ has taken hold of me, what He's taken hold of for me, what He's put in me. We want to take hold of it, but yet we're refusing to let go of some things. For me, the beginning was letting go of those lies that I'd heard all my life that told me I was less than and taking hold of the truth of who God really said that I was. And the key was I had to start believing it. 
Well, you know, believing the things that the Bible says are difficult for all of us because it's very easy to read the words and say, well, that was then, but nobody understands what my life is like now. Nobody really knows me. And you know, when you tell that story, Sharon, about being afraid that somebody was going to find out who you really were, I think about, uh, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, Paul Simon, when they were very successful, he said, Nobody realizes every time I go out on that stage, I think, what if they find out I don't know what I'm doing? So, you know, mm-hmm. everybody has those feelings of not not living up to what we think in our mind. We've set this criteria in our head, and, and especially if you're a Bible study girl and you're trying to be a good Jesus girl and you're going to church and you're doing the right things, you have in your mind what you have concocted is supposed to be the the spiritual girl. And all of a sudden you go, wow, I'm not living up to what my criteria is. But when you realize that God has a, a totally different criteria for what makes you his, it's easier to read that scripture and say, oh, you mean taking hold of Christ is not that difficult because he's already taken hold of me? Is that what mm-hmm. that passage is all about? And your book Mm -hmm. is telling us, yeah, it is. And so, Sharon, as we talk about this book that says, take hold of the faith that you long for, tell me what that looks like for the girl who's sitting here at the table with us and struggling with believing it. Let's say that um, someone is struggling with shame, and yet she has read that scripture that says if she confesses with her mouth, that God will forgive her of her sin and cleanse her from all unrighteousness. She knows that in her head, okay? But yet she still feels shame every morning when she gets up. You know, I think about that story of of Peter when um, right before Jesus went to the cross and when Jesus predicted that he was going to deny him three times. And, you know, Peter was absolutely not, you know, I will go to, to the death with you. And, of course, we know that that's exactly what happened, that Peter did deny that he knew Jesus three times, and then that rooster crowed. And I think for many of us, we hear that rooster crowing every day. Shame on you. Shame on you. Remember what you did. Remember what you did. But then we keep reading the story, and we read about Jesus' resurrection, and how he met them on the shore that time when Peter and John were out fishing. Jesus is on the shore, and he calls him forward. He fixes him in the mill. And what does Jesus do to Peter? He doesn't say, you know, you really messed up back then. Mm. You need to sit the bench for a while. You need to think about what you've done, because you are not up to par. That's what we think Jesus would say to us. You know, you need to sit it out for a while. <laughs> but that's not what he did. He pulled Peter aside, and he said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Okay, now let's put ourselves in that situation. So we failed. Every day we're failing. But what does Jesus do? He does to us what he did with Peter. He just says, reaffirm my, reaffirm your love for me. Reaffirm your love for me. Let the shame go. Now go take care of my sheep. With that one thing of taking hold, that I am forgiven, that God's grace have forgive, has forgiven me, I need to let go of that shame and condemnation and say to myself, God has forgiven me. That shame and condemnation is gone. And then I need to take hold of the truth 
truth of that and walk in it. And then when Satan comes back in that rooster crows the next day, and he says, yeah, remember what you did? We need to talk to the enemy. We need to talk to him and say, that is not true, because I am forgiven and completely free. And part of that being free of that is talking to the enemy. We have to recognize the enemy's true identity that doesn't want us to take hold of the truth. And that is the devil himself. It's not our husbands. It's not your parents. It's not the person who hurts you. It's the devil. The second thing is, Luann, we have to, we have to recognize the lie. What lies are we telling ourselves that are keeping us? For taking hold of the truth. The lie that I'm not good enough, that I am worthless, I can't do anything right, I'm so stupid, I'm, I'll never amount to anything. Recognize what the lies are. And then the third step is to reject the lie. When we have those thoughts that are keeping us from living bold and keeping us from moving forward, we just stop and say, that's not true. And then the fourth step is that we take that lie and then we replace it with the truth. And this is where you really get free. And we see that that's what Jesus did when he was encountered with with the devil in the wilderness after he was baptized. When he didn't argue with Satan, he just simply said, you know, that's not true. And he he spoke the truth. So, but in order to do that, you got to know the truth, right? We got to get in God's word and know the truth. But once you replace that lie with truth, that's what sets you free and helps you to take hold of the truth and let go. Of the lies. You know, I love the analogy that you gave of the trapeze artist swinging and having to let go of one bar so that he could grab onto the next one. And Rachel, I know there are times in all of our lives when we really hesitate to let go. We kind of get stuck. And as Sharon's describing this to us, that, you know, there are certain things that we can do to get out of that stuck place, but one of them's letting go. Have you ever felt like in your life that there was a place when you kind of struggled with letting go? Yes, and I relate to that um, trapeze uh, analogy too. I was a gymnast, as you know, for many years, and there was a certain move on the uneven parallel balls called the eagle. You had to let go of the bar you were holding when you couldn't see the next bar. It was behind you, and it was still many feet away, and there would be a moment during this trick, there would be a moment when you were not holding on to any bar. You were just centrifugal force spinning through the air until you were at the right spot to reach out and catch the next bar. So I get that analogy. And it was it was a very scary trick to learn to do. But in my own life, I think about a time when I was um, I was at a church. This was my husband's family's church. We all went to the same church. And I, I loved that, that we, you know, my children and their grandparents, we were all at the same church. And we were there together for a number of years. And um, my husband and I both started to sense God calling us out of that church, and I, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to let go. Um, I didn't know why. Why would He possibly call me away from the church where where all of our family was at? And so we resisted for a little while, and then we um, we weren't sure where we were going to. We just knew we were supposed to let go of here. 
and uh, we visited a few churches, and it was just hard. I didn't want to let go, and so we went back <laughs> to the church that I, I didn't want to let go of, um, and we were only there about a couple of weeks before just the feelings of, of this is not what God has for me right now just intensified. So then we finally let go of that church, and we went to this other one. That turned out to be uh, a, a great move for us at the time. That turned out to be a ministry partnership. My husband and I wound up partnering with the minister of the new church to do a number of ministry works, uh, write a book, that sort of thing. But there was definitely a, a time of letting go of something that was good in order to grasp hold of the next thing that was also good. Sometimes we have trouble letting go of the bad, but sometimes we also have trouble letting go of the good. Well, I remember when you were going through that, uh, and that is so critical for us to realize when God is calling us to do the harder thing and, and letting go sometimes, Sharon is absolutely a hard thing to do, but if we don't do it, we do get stuck. The major places that we tend to get stuck um, is in the whole area of forgiveness. And I don't know of many things that can keep a Christian stuck in a place is that lack of forgiveness for other people. Because we've all been hurt. We've, we've all been let down. And yet when we choose not to forgive the person who hurt us, um, we will get stuck there. And I know for my, myself, looking at my, in my, my 20s was when I really started seeing this. And I've seen it, of course, all through my life. But there was a time after I became a Christian when I was 14, within six years, both of my parents became Christians. It's an amazing story of how that happened. But, you know, when my father made mistakes, all those feelings came back up again. And, and I got to a point where I was so stuck in my Christian life. I, I knew I was going to go off to school. I couldn't decide what to do. Nothing was clear. I felt like God wasn't hearing me. I'm just total stuck. And I met with a mentor of mine. And, and as he, he said, I'm going to pray with you. And he was praying those prayers about um, asking you shall receive kind of prayers. <laughs> but gone, and he had to put it in context. So when he read those verses in context, there was a verse about forgiveness either before it or after it. And he said, Sharon, I feel like that you have not forgiven your father for things that happened in your childhood. And I said, well, you know, Seabury, his name was Seabury Thorpe. I said, you know, I'm here to talk about my future, not my past. And he said, you cannot move forward in your future until you let go of your past. Oh, that bears repeating and, right there. Hang and, on just a yes. minute. You cannot, girls, if you just tuned in to Encouragement Cafe today, I want you to hear those words loud and clear. You cannot move forward into your future unless you've taken care of the things in the past with forgiving and letting go of those things that are holding you there. So if you want that future, that purpose that God has in store for you, it's really important to grab on to this truth. We have to let go of the things that have hurt us in the past. Okay, Sharon, I had to just kind of reinforce that because I'll tell you for me, one verse that helped me get my my thoughts in order because uh, there were a lot of things in my past that hurt me, a lot of people, a lot of circumstances that hurt me. And if I allowed myself to sit there and dwell, dwell and meditate on those things, then that's exactly where my brain would take me down the spiral. Mm -hmm. But this one verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, 
where I said, okay, Lord, take captive these thoughts and hold them obedient to you. And I promise when I would say that out loud so that I would stop thinking about those things and Mm -hmm. then you can let go of it and you don't have Mm -hmm. to dwell on it anymore. And then you can move forward where God wants to take you. We're talking with Sharon Janes, author of Take Hold of the Faith You Long For. Sharon, in your book, you gave an example uh, and told about the story of Moses. So take us uh, on that journey with you for just a minute. When we look at, at Moses, here was a guy who had failed. He had had a he had failed and he had bailed is the way I refer to it. He came up with a plan on his own when he was in Egypt to sleep to to free the Israelite slaves. He failed and he ran away. Forty years later, he is so stuck. He's stuck on the backside of the wilderness. And if you're listening today and you feel like you're on the backside of the wilderness, you know, that's not necessarily a bad place to be because God's probably trying to get your attention. But here's the good news. He does not want you to stay there. And God did not want Moses to stay there. And and we know the story of how God began to speak to Moses through this burning bush. But Moses began to argue with God. And there were four basic arguments. And, And the first one argument was when God called Moses to go back and lead the children out of Israel, he said, who am I? You know, who am I that I should go and speak to the Pharaoh? And that's, we need to know the answer to that question, Luann and Rachel. Who am I? And we kind of talked about that at the beginning. We need to know who we are as a child of God, that we are chosen and dearly loved, that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we're equipped by God, that we're enveloped in Jesus Christ, that we're a saint, that we're the bride of Christ, that we're salt and light. We need to know exactly who we are as a child of God. The second question was, basically, God, who are you? <laughs> he said, if I go back to the Israelites, who do I tell them who sent me? What is your name? And God said, my name is I am. And you know what that means to me? Whatever I feel like I am not, you know what God says? He says, I am. When we feel God is calling us to do something, and we say, I can't do that. I, you know, I am not good enough. God says, but I am. I'm not strong enough to go through this, but God says, I am. So he is the God who fills in your blanks. He's the God who fills in your gaps. And one of the little stories I tell is if you remember, if you can go back long enough and remember the very first Rocky movie, when Rocky's talking to Adrian, he said, you've got gaps and I've got gaps and together we've got no gaps. But the truth is, you've got gaps and I've got gaps and there's no one in the world who can fill those gaps. But God can fill those gaps. He's the God who fills in our blanks. He's the God who fills in our gaps. So that's the second argument. The third one. Wait a minute. I want to. I want to just. I want to just reiterate that a minute because that okay. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty powerful. So I don't want to to skim over that because we all have gaps, and yes. God is the one who fills in our gaps. I love that. Right. Whenever the next yes. time, girls, that you say, "I am not." Remember what Sharon said today. Remind yourself that God says, I am. Uh, When I'm speaking at conferences, I actually get the ladies to do this with me because I want them to remember it. And I say to them, when you say, I am not enough, God says, and I get them to just shout it out. God says, I am. And we go through a long list because that's what I have to remember myself. When I get up and I have an assignment to do, and I'm like, Lord, I am just a regular old girl from a little teeny town in eastern North Carolina. I don't, I can't do this. And I have to remember, but God says, I 
am, and he can do it through me. I love it. So then the third argument, he said, well, what if I go back and they don't believe me? And why would he say that? Because 40 years earlier, they did not believe him. See, he'd already tried this one time. He had tried to lead the people out. They didn't believe him. They didn't appreciate him. They actually made fun of him. So that just points back to our past, that sometimes we can allow our past failures to stand in the way of us moving forward, which we've just talked about. Um, and he had to, to get past his failure to do what God had called him to do. And then the fourth thing he said was, but I'm not a good speaker. Now, all three of us have said that before, I am sure. Um, but it's not just about being a good speaker or not being a good speaker. When we say I'm not a good anything, why do we say or come to the conclusion that we're not good at something? It's because we are comparing ourselves to someone we think is. And what I say in the book is comparison, the measuring stick will get you stuck. And ladies, we compare ourselves to other people all the time. And if we compare ourselves to other people, we will get so stuck there. If what we need to do is let go of that comparison and be exactly who God created us to be and nobody else. And around Christmas time, you know, I, I kind of make a joke about it um, in the book about getting Christmas letters because they really bother me sometimes. <laughs> because you know what people do in Christmas letters? They're just telling all the highlights of their life. What has happened wonderful in the year, but they don't tell about how Johnny got kicked out of school and how Susie um, failed English and how mom gained 20 pounds and how dad lost sales calls. So we tend to look at others other people's Instagram, their Facebook, and we're looking at, at the highlight reel, and we're comparing our lives to that, and we need to let go of it. None of that's really real anyway. We need to let it go and to be exactly who God created us to be and no one else. So that's kind of the, how I tie in the Moses, what Moses had to deal with, but the, the questions he had to answer for himself before he could say yes to God. Well, we all get stuck and we all have a tendency to look in the rearview mirror and compare even our old past to our new self. So even if we're not comparing ourselves to others, we still have a tendency to compare how we once were to how God says, no, you are totally different. You are a new creature. You are my beloved. So today, mm -hmm. ladies, as we embrace this reality about what Sharon is talking about today, taking hold of that faith that we longed for. I hope that you decide to pick up the book and, and read it for yourselves. Let God just sink that truth into your heart and into your mind. And Sharon, what is it that you hope the girls that read this will take away from this book? I mean, I think the subtitle kind of encapsulates that, Luann, is that they will let go of anything that holds them hostage, of anything that's holding them back from living that abundant life. And as they read the pages, God will bring it to mind. What is holding you back from being who God wants you to be and doing what God wants you to do? So letting go, discovering what you need to let go of. And then the next step is moving forward. See, Paul said, I'm forgetting what lies behind. I'm straining to what is ahead. And finally, to live bold, to live bold, that, that adventurous faith. And you know, I know I'm doing at the conclusion, but I want to get back to the beginning because what I say in the very beginning is so many of us come to Christ and we just become nice people, just nice, well-mannered people. <laughs> and we move into what I call the cul-de-sac of Christianity. 
And we surround ourselves with other nice Christian people who are just waving at each other in the cul-de-sac. But God didn't call us just to move into cul-de-sac Christianity. He didn't call us just to be nice, well-mannered people. He called us to live bold, to live bold, the adventurous faith, the abundant life, to go you therefore into all the nations. It doesn't mean you have to travel across the ocean to do that. It might be just talking to someone across the fence. But the Christian life is an exciting life. And it's more than just, um, you know, walking the aisle and and waiting for Jesus to come back or waiting for heaven to come. He's got a lot for us to, to plan for us to do right now, right here. The eternal life starts the moment you say yes. Oh, I love it. And ladies, here's your charge for the week. Let go, move forward, live bold. May the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at EncouragementCafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time.